The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. The obvious point to make about Donald Trump is take him literally and seriously. He means what he says. People did not take him literally and seriously in 2016. Now he is telling us what he intends to do. And people who try to wish it away, brush it away, are living in an alternative uh, reality. He will do everything he can to become an absolute authoritarian leader if given the opportunity to do so. But you'll be a one-term president because you've already served, yeah. so you can only serve for one term, although they say you'll never leave office, I assume. Uh, yeah, that, you'll do. never leave. There'll never be an ele- another say, election don't again. Don't do it. He'll never leave. He's yeah. never going. Oh, these people. They um, are so for that reason, it- Republicans who for the past 50 years have been the main force to push back hard on communism, they've they've surrendered to the communists. Donald Trump surrendered a long time ago to Vladimir Putin, surrendered to Xi a long time ago. Not only is there no evidence of any wrongdoing by President Biden, but it now appears as if the House Republican majority is being used by Russia to interfere in the 2024 election on behalf of Donald Trump. If they continue with this investigation, they are simply doing the work of Vladimir Putin to help Donald Donald Trump win an election in November. That's where we are. What do you think? We're all wondering this question, Speaker Pelosi. What do you think Putin has on him? I mean, it sure seems like something, as you've said a few times, given that he refuses to criticize him, that he seems to be a fanboy of him. So I don't know what he has on him, but I think it's probably financial. I think it's probably financial, either something financial he has on him or something on the come. This is all part of a propaganda and disinformation campaign by Russia attempting to help Donald Trump. And, you know, when we point out the very clear contours of this story, our colleagues just start chanting, Russia hoax, Russia hoax. Well, what's the hoax? The hoax, what exactly is the hoax they're talking about? Um, Because it seems to me that the most likely hoax is really Donald Trump, who's been manipulated uh, by Putin for a long time or is certainly in love with Vladimir Putin. Let me ask you something. What do you think Putin has on him, on Trump? (laughs) Well, oh, that's a good question. I, what does he got? I actually think that money. Um, there's a growing pro-Putin faction yeah. in the Republican Party, and it's led by Donald Trump. I just got to keep saying it. Donald Trump wants. Donald Trump loves Russia so much he should move there. Russian, while Donald Trump is Russian aggression well, in the form of a useful idiot. Well, you, Donald you, Trump, Mike Johnson, defending a man who continues kidnapping, and that's what it really is, it's not arresting, continues to kidnap Americans. Here's Donald Trump, Mike Johnson, keeps defending this tyrant. This is who Donald Trump and Mike Johnson continue to defend. It's sickening, and I will go back, circle back to what Mika says. It's un-American. Speaking of circling back, we have circled back to 2016 for eight years. 
these people have been pushing these deranged, unhinged fairy tales. Eight years of it. And now here we are. (laughs) Here we are in 2024. If Donald Trump wins in 2024, it's because of the Russians. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to this live stream of uh, our daily, our week, I guess it's our, our every workday program at 11.05 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. Just go to TrumpetDaily.com or go to our Rumble channel and you can join our growing audience at Rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. So Russia, 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 as I was saying on the program a couple weeks ago, I think it was, uh, you really have to take everything that they say regarding Putin, Russia, Ukraine. I mean, it's so completely dishonest. And, and, and you have to view it through the lens of Donald Trump is enemy number one. He is the one that has to be stopped. He is the one that must be removed. He is the one that must go to prison. We talked about some of this on yesterday's show. And so after years and years of appeasing Putin in 2008, in 2014, in giving them arms traffickers for uh, hostages that were taken, now Putin must be stopped at all costs, even if it means the beginning of World War III. Because Donald Trump must be stopped. Because Putin, because Russia's Russia's interfering. They they are already interfering in 2024. You see, it doesn't even make sense. When you look at like traditional leftist uh, talking points or agendas, it's always, generally, it's always appeasing dictators. It's generally speaking anti-war, but not in this case. I mean, look at, look at Gaza as an example. They're, they're telling Israel, these same people are telling Israel, dial it back. You've got to withdraw. You've got to let Hamas survive. They're not saying that in Ukraine or with regard to Ukraine. I'll, I'll come to an article on that very subject here in just a second. It's from the Federalist. But nothing, nothing that these people do makes sense except that America is under attack and Donald Trump must be stopped at all cost, for sure. It, it always comes back to that. Here's a little bit more from the, the morning meltdown, clip two. Donald Trump continues to make the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny about himself. But not about the man who killed him. Not, not about Vladimir Putin. He refuses still to condemn Vladimir Putin. Who poisoned him uh, once and, and it didn't work. Um, And finally, he killed him in a recorded town hall that aired on Fox News last night. Trump was asked about the money he now owes after being found liable for massive fraud in New York state. And he said that was a, quote, form of Navalny. Trump did call the opposition leader, quote, very brave while answering a separate question, but again, failed to condemn Russian President Vladimir Putin. So just like we said on yesterday's show, Putin kills Navalny, 
Putin takes another American hostage. And the problem, the problem is Trump. Trump. This is Trump derangement syndrome. And we see it every day. Here's another. This will be the last. Don't worry. Number number three. And we don't know. Maybe he's going to get away with it again. Maybe that's what we know. That's what this run for the presidency is. We said it in 2019. I said it in 2019. I said, if Donald Trump loses, he's going to run again. And he's going to run again if for no other reason to avoid all of the criminal actions that are going to be coming against him. The ones that we saw even before January 6th. Communism. Like, I just wonder, I wonder, are the people in that crowd, and I think we have to start asking this of our fellow Americans, are the people in that crowd really stupid enough to believe that if justice finally comes to one shyster, that that somehow condemns America and makes it a, quote, communist nation when actually American capitalism is stronger today than ever before. Let me- I think uh, you can read between the lines there and see that uh, it's kind of touched a nerve, suggesting that just like Putin puts Navalny in prison, here, here is this communist regime in America trying to put its political opponent in prison for 700 years. And you hear the rants on Morning Meltdown. They refuse to see any kind of similarities there, even though they're obvious. America's under attack. That, that by the way, is Joe Biden, the fake president's favorite, favorite news show, <laughs> The Morning Meltdown. This is that article I mentioned from uh, The Federalist. While Biden pushes Ukraine to fight, he demands Israel to surrender. How does this make sense? Israel's been a long-standing ally of the United States ever since it was it became a state in 1948. And, and we're pushing through the United Nations, through diplomatic channels, we're pushing for Israel to stop fighting to surrender to Hamas, even as we want to shovel tens of billions of dollars into the Ukraine slush fund. You know, Tucker, he doesn't get everything right with respect to Putin, but on Ukraine and the unlimited supply of money that we send to them, that we want to send more of to, even if we have to print trillions and trillions of dollars and destroy our own economy, it's just a money laundering operation. That's what it amounts to. You've got, you've got swamp creatures that are so passionate about funding the Ukrainian oligarchs. And they don't even know where the money goes. It doesn't matter. Because everyone's on the take. And you had Joe Biden's son. He was, he was with this shady Ukraine company, Burisma. Right at the time when the Biden crime family's taking money in by the millions. Well, Burisma was giving it to Hunter by the millions as well. I guess by the time you add it all up, getting paid $70,000, $80,000 per month. Why? is, Is asking any kind of question about that, does that mean you're pro Putin? Well, Donald Trump, he asked a few questions about it 
on the phone with Zelensky and it got him impeached. I mean, you just don't go there. You are not to question funding for Ukraine and you must always oppose Vladimir Putin at every point, even if it means nuclear bombs are falling all over the world. I mean, you listen to some of these people talk. And then how do you square it with the fact that, oh, oh, but in the case of Gaza, in the case of Hamas, Hamas just invaded Israel and, and raped and beheaded their women and their children. That was on October 7. And following after that, you had these strong words of support. We've got to stand with Israel. This was a, an attack, totally unprovoked. Israel says, yeah, we're going to completely wipe out Hamas so that this never happens again. They get a few weeks into it, really a few days, and already they're being lectured. They're being lectured by the leaders in the West, headed up by Joe Obama, telling them, look, you've got to pull back. You've got to, you've got to make sure that Hamas survives. It says here, Joe Biden has not only promised to veto any standalone Israeli aid, but he's reportedly circulating a draft resolution within the UN Secretary uh, Security Council sorry, that would compel the Jewish state to stop its ground offensive in Rafah and effectively give Hamas a pass. Beyond that, the U.S. is also reportedly thinking about circumventing Israel and formally recognizing a Palestinian state. So Hamas attacks Israel and then, gets, and then gets recognized as a state by the United States, by America. That's quite a reward for raping and murdering and pillaging. It says, in other words, while Ukraine is prodded by the U.S. to fight for every inch of its land, Israel is prodded to commit suicide. How do you make sense of this? Well, a lot of it, I mentioned, viewing everything through the prism of Donald Trump, a lot of it, too, when you think about Israel, well, it's Netanyahu as well. Barack Obama hates Benjamin Netanyahu with a, with a burning and fiery passion. And so he's, pro, he's pro-Hamas. He's pro-Iran. He wants Iran to get the nukes. He, he wants Bibi out. And... And we've got now, not in 2014, not in 2008, not, not in uh, 2021. Now we've got to resist Putin at all costs. You've got members of Congress saying, if we don't give them another 60 billion, our boys are going to be over there fighting in Europe again. It says, anyone who dares to suggest the U.S. push Ukraine to negotiate a settlement with Russia is framed as a democracy-hating Putin shill. You saw it there in the cold open. Yet, before, before we even knew exactly how many Israeli women and children had been murdered, raped, and kidnapped by Hamas, Democrats were demanding Israel negotiate with Palestinians to create a potential three-front Iranian proxy terror state on its border. See how it works? It, it makes no sense. It's not rational. It's just deranged. God says in, in Isaiah 1 that the whole head is sick. The whole body, top to bottom. But it starts at the head. The head is sick. 
The government is sick. Those who wonder what the end game of the U.S. proxy war against a nuclear power in Europe might look like are told that the only, the only acceptable outcome is complete victory for Ukraine. The very future of world democracy, we are assured, hinges on the integrity of that nation's borders. And you see where he's going. Meanwhile, our own borders are not secure at all. They're not closed. It's a, it's a wide open invasion. Six, eight, ten million illegal immigrants just pouring into the United States. Even as Mitch McConnell and company, the Uniparty, talk about how that if we don't support Ukraine, by the, by the tune of 60 billion more dollars, we've already given 120. How much is Europe? We, we've got to keep a running total of how many, how, mu- how many billions and billions of dollars have European countries, they're right on Ukraine's doorstep, keep in mind. How much have they put toward this effort? Putin is a madman. He's mentioned in prophecy. But Barack Obama has a history of appeasing him. So how do you explain this? Well, it has to do with the money laundering operation. Because all you need to do is look just a little bit south of Ukraine, down in Israel and Gaza, and you see these same people singing what they normally, they're singing the tune they normally sing. Israel, now you got to back off. It can't be disproportionate. There's refugees that we've got to consider here. And again, like they generally sing, they don't talk about Egypt solving the refugee crisis, even though there's plenty of space there in the Sinai. It's all got to fall on Israel's shoulders. Israel gets attacked. Then Israel retaliates, but only to a point because it's got, it can't be disproportionate. And then when there's the refugee fallout after the counteroffensive, then, then Israel's got to deal with that as well. The UN to some degree, but, but mostly the UN is in Gaza to try to give cover to Hamas. I mean, they've got offices situated right next to each other. They're on the same side. <laughs> there have been, there've been stories. I haven't, I haven't had time to get to all of them in recent weeks. The, the, a U.N. agency situated just right down the hall from a Hamas office. And we've told you the story before about the press, the Western press stationed in Gaza or maybe in Israel. And how it just so happened that they, they kind of knew exactly what was going on on the day of uh, October 7th. They kind of knew Hamas had punctured the, uh, the border security fence. They kind of knew the attack was in motion. And what did they do? Well, I mean, they're just embedded in, into Hamas, right? They're just doing the general reporting. This is deranged. This is insanity. It says, put it this way. This is back to the Federalist piece. Israel, though, is asked to surrender its territory. Well, further on, it says, put it this way. Imagine, if you can, the Biden administration arguing only weeks after Putin's invasion that the only way to achieve an enduring end to this crisis and lasting peace and security for Ukrainians was to create a new Russian ethnic state in Donbass. Well, you can see where uh, this guy is going. But just it's a valid point to consider. The, the comparison here, just how different the U.S. policy is. Now, like uh, we've said, 
We made this point, well, Lee Smith made the point when we interviewed him a few weeks back, that generally speaking, I mean, Americans need to pay more attention to what's happening in Europe, to what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, to what's happening in Israel and Gaza. And the answer, the answer to all of this is not to just withdraw and be an isolationist. Well, the answer is really nothing as far as what this world puts forward. But it's, uh, my point is, it's not the MAGA movement solution. There, there does need to be a U.S. presence in Europe, in the Middle East, or else things explode. And we're beginning to see that. But, it, but at the same time, <laughs> here we are, and Joe Biden's son was on the board of this corrupt Ukrainian uh, business? And it, and it happened at a time when the Biden crime family's on the take? And, and, and President Trump was urging Zelensky to at least investigate this corruption? Now you're at a point where to even ask a question about it or to suggest that we don't. If it was so important for Democrats to send $60 billion to Ukraine, why wouldn't they come up with some legislation that said, okay, but we'll give you, you know, $50 billion first to secure the southern border? I mean, they put forward that legislation, which didn't secure the border at all. It, it basically said it legalized it. And so Republicans, a few Republicans had enough sense to say, no, not going to do it. So Ukraine doesn't get funded either. Why is it so important for the communist regime running the show in D.C. to give tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine and to keep, to legalize the invasion at America's southern border? Well, you can't really understand or make sense of any of this unless you know, unless you know that America is under attack. And, and Joe Obama's flip-flop to appeasing Putin to now being, we've got to go after Putin even if it means World War III. You can't understand that flip-flop unless you understand that America is under attack. Eight years of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Eight years of these fairy tales. This is from uh, an opinion piece at The Telegraph. Just a few short months ago, the West claimed to stand united with Israel as it launched a war of self-defense after the atrocities of October 7. Now even Jerusalem's closest allies seem to want to stop the conflict in Gaza before the IDF have achieved its objectives of the destruction of Hamas and the release of the hostages taken by the terrorists. I mean, think of this. 30 Americans were murdered. We, we had Americans taken hostage, I think 11 or 12. There are hostages still in Gaza. And yet Western leaders, headed up by the United States, are pressuring Israel to pull back, to withdraw, to forget about the hostages, to forget about October 7th, to forget about Hamas. Let them survive. The West has developed a defeatist tendency in recent years of pursuing negotiated settlements that never really lead to peace, only, a run, only to running sores that inevitably flare up again and again, or indeed to the victory of our enemies. 
It says Iraq and Afghanistan are both cases in point. That's a good point. Look at Iraq. Look at Afghanistan. There you see, there you see the end result of U.S. appeasement of terrorists, Taliban, and so on. But we're, not, we're certainly not going to call on Ukraine or Russia to negotiate some kind of a peace deal or a settlement. Can't do it. Just keep the funding going and don't ask questions. Don't ask questions about Hunter and Burisma. And certainly, certainly don't ask questions about Vladimir Putin. Or, or, or like Trump, 72 hours, he didn't say anything on Navalny, so of course... He's in Putin's back pocket. Putin, they've already said that if Trump wins in 2024, that's November, that's nine months away, it's because of the Russians. So they're already, they're already denying the election. The, the results of this coming election, the ones that are so sensitive to election deniers, as they call them, in response to 2020, Look at them now. It's exactly the same tune they sung in 2016. You know, another, another scripture to think about with respect to this is Revelation 12, 9, where it says this world is deceived. And you see in other <laughs> memory verses, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 and Ephesians 2, 2, you see the, the devil's influence. I mean, he is the king of deranged thinking, Satan the devil. And the spirit that he bombards us with, he's the prince of the power of the air. And Revelation 12 also brings out that he's now confined to this earth. I mean, all that is described in one of the appendixes here in, uh, in America Under Attack. If you don't have this book, make sure you call that 800 number there and request your free copy today. It talks about this uh, UN Security Council resolution that the US is pu pushing through the UN to try to handcuff Israel. It says the text that a major Israeli ground offensive into Rafah should not proceed, quote, under current circumstances, that is with a heavy concentration of refugees from elsewhere in Gaza on, on top of the existing residents, the U.S. is also calling for a temporary ceasefire as soon as practicable. That's text from the, the U.N. resolution that they're trying to draw up. It says, it's what the resolution doesn't demand that's perhaps most telling. The U.S. appears to have little interest in practical solutions consistent with both safeguarding the civilians of Gaza and permitting Israel to achieve victory over Hamas. There's nothing in the resolution about Hamas needing to be militarily dismantled. And there's nothing in the resolution about the refugees. Look, we'll send in UN forces. Egypt's going to have to provide some help and support. It can't just be Israel. There's nothing in there on that. The, the, the point of the resolution is that Israel must stop. Israel must, there must be a ceasefire. Israel must pull back. That's it. That's it. And it shows you, it's revealing or telling, as this guy says, isn't it? Do they really care about the refugees? The obvious place for refugees to go temporarily is across the border into Egypt. Well, further on it says, it's hard to escape the conclusion that instead Joe Biden is no longer committed to Israel finishing Hamas off, largely because of domestic political considerations. It's always, always, always 
got to be viewed through political considerations or in the bigger picture of it, Donald Trump is public enemy number one. He must be stopped. He must be confronted. If Putin kills, if Putin murders Navalny and then takes an American hostage, the problem, the, the, the real story in all that is that Donald Trump didn't send a tweet out soon enough. What has Joe, like I said yesterday, what has Joe Obama done? Well, in that, in that way, it's appeasement as per usual. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, the fake president said he was going to announce something uh, on Friday. Yeah, some, some more sanctions. Tucker, uh, <laughs> and, and they hate Tucker. He went over there. He, why won't Scarborough go to Moscow, by the way? Tucker did. And he saw that the cost for groceries and, and the cost for food at McDonald's, it was cheaper than here. Now, now, Putin's running a communist state. Nobody wants to live. The average American is more concerned about the government heading up the United States of America than the government in Moscow, because most Americans never go to Russia and don't want to. But here you've got a communist regime. And I mean, if you overstep your bounds, even on social media, you could go to jail. You heard Joe Biden bragging about that yesterday. Do you think ordinary, you know, patriots in America fear Putin more than they fear Barack Obama, Joe Obama? It's a comparison that we don't need to just carry on with it every single program. But the reality of it here, here in the United States, is that America is being attacked by a communist regime, an attack from within. It's the very thing that Madison... That, that Lincoln, that, that Washington warned about. The enemy within. You can see why those in the MAGA movement are just swinging over to the opposite extreme to where America shouldn't get involved in anything internationally. It should just be all domestic concerns. And that's, I mean, that's dangerous thinking as well, particularly when you understand a little bit of history about the Holy Roman Empire, particularly when you understand the prophecy about the external threat that's going to come after the United States. It's prophesied. And you know what? It's not going to be Putin. It's going to be the Holy Roman Empire. After the attack from within, then the enemies are going to see their opportunity. The enemies of America, they're going to see their opportunity to pounce And the one that will is the Holy Roman Empire, headed up by Germany, J.D. Vance. He's the the senator from, the Republican senator from Ohio. He wrote an article for the Financial Times this week titled, Europe must stand on its own two feet on defense. So that's a, I mean, that's even going further than what Donald Trump has been criticized for from the right and the left, left and right, everybody, that the NATO members should pay up. They got to pay their fair share. If we're going to have a collective defense, you know, well, you need to pay up as much as America has been paying up. But now, I mean, you've got J.D. Vance basically calling for Europe to go it alone. That's a prominent senator in, uh, in D.C., as I said earlier. 
when the U.S. doesn't have a strong presence, whether it's in Europe or the Middle East, well, we begin to see what's, what happens. The, that power vacuum is filled by somebody, by some nation. Generally, it's by a dictator, an authoritarian. But how strange is it when we're not even that far removed from World War II? What is it, 70, 75 years? And you've got a prominent senator calling for the Europeans to look to themselves and, and to look to Germany, basically. This is his article, J.D. Vance. It says, the U.S. has provided a blanket of security to Europe for far too long in the aftermath in the aftermath of the Cold War, European nations made deep and lasting cuts to their defense budgets. Estimates suggest the continent would have spent an additional 8.6 trillion, I guess it says, on defense over 30 years had they maintained Cold War, le Cold War levels of military expenditure as the American defense budget nears one trillion per year, we ought to view the money Europe hasn't spent on defense for what it really is, an implied tax on the American people to allow for the security of Europe. Well, and, and a lot of that's true, but again, what are the other options? To let Germany return as the dominant power in the heart of Europe? That's what many have called for in Europe. And now here in the U.S., take, taking the MAGA agenda even a step further. Listen, why should we even bother with Europe? Let them take care of themselves entirely. It says, nothing in recent memory demonstrates this more clearly than the war in Ukraine. There is frankly no good reason that aid from the U.S. should be needed. Europe is made up of many great nations with productive uh, economies. And here again. That rings true with a lot of Americans. But he, con he continues, they ought to have the capacity to handle the conflict, but over decades they have become far too weak. So we need a stronger Europe. We need a, a more militaristic Europe. What was it Margaret Thatcher said back in the 1990s? The European Union was sold initially as, well, if you come together as this union of nations, it'll... It'll sort of keep Germany under wraps. And she said, you know, you haven't anchored Germany to Europe. You're anchoring Europe to Germany. Here again, this little booklet, we haven't plugged this enough, but it's right here at the top of the table. So why not? The Holy Roman Empire in Prophecy. If you don't have that book, again, everything that we offer on this show is offered without cost or obligation. Just call 1-866-930-3024 if you live in the U.S., Canada, or the Caribbean. You can also get to all of our material at uh, the trumpet.com website. No cost, no obligation. Uh, just need to send us your, your mailing information. This J.D. Vance piece says, behind the price tag, the conflict has revealed the shocking weakness of the defense industrial base on both sides of the Atlantic. Here again, he's touching on some, some hard truths. <laughs> it's showing the weakness of America's military as well. 
but calling for Europe to strengthen its military, that's dangerous. Just looking at history, considering prophecy. In Europe and America, fragmented uh, defense industries make limited quantities of the most advanced weapons on earth, but struggle to produce uh, heavy weaponry at the speed and scale needed to win a major conflict. Further on, listen to this, defense spending and defense readiness are two different things. For example, Germany spends considerably more than France on defense each year with little to show for it. Further down it says, Germany is the most important economy in Europe, but it relies on imported energy and borrowed military strength. U.S. leaders across the spectrum support Europe and see the value of generation, generations old alliances. But as we watch European power atrophy under an American protectorate, it is reasonable to ask whether our support has made it easier for Europe to ignore its own security. Well, our response to that would be, be careful what you wish for, because there are plenty. There are still some historians left. I mean, you listen to them on MSNBC, and uh, they're all radicals, left-wingers, but there, there are a few good ones out there that know enough of what's in this little booklet that would, that would warn that, no, no, I don't think that's what we want. Now, the U.S. needs to look at its expenditures and what it's sending abroad. And, but uh, for the U.S. to just depart from Europe and to turn things over to a newly dominant Germany, it's already the dominant nation when it comes to the economy. Margaret Thatcher was, was right. Well, let's see. We've got uh, how much time left? Why don't we cut away to a break? I've got a few more clips and stories, and uh, I've got some emails that have stacked up. We'll see how much time we have left um, and decide during the break how to conclude the show. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. Herbert W. Armstrong long forecast the arrival of a military superpower in Europe. In a world where European nations can't rely on the United States. One in which they fear Russia and face the constant threat of radical terror. Their only hope of survival is to band together. This is what we see happening. And what we see happening was prophesied in your Bible. Request Germany and the Holy Roman Empire to learn about the history of Germany and the Holy Roman Empire and to understand where the events in Europe today are leading. 3,000 years ago, the prophet Daniel explained that at the time of the end, radical Islam would push against Europe. That time is now. We are witnessing the first manifestations of this Islamist push against Europe and it's leading to a spectacular clash between these two prophesied kings, the king of the north and the king of the south. What does the Bible say about the identity of these two kings? What about the end time? Will everyone be affected by these events? Request our two booklets, The King of the South and Germany and the Holy Roman Empire. To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com.
George Washington came back from the dead, they couldn't beat you. Our country is so divided right now. I know you have suffered endless attacks, no doubt, but how can you assure independent and undecided voters that your focus as president will be on improving the state of our country and not settling those old scores? And it was success. Successful is the word I'm using to answer your question. We had such success in history. Some of your favorite pollsters like McLaughlin and Fabrizio, I met them the day before I heard the word COVID or pandemic, the day before. And we were talking about the next election coming up. They said, sir, if Abraham Lincoln and George Washington came back from the dead, they couldn't beat you. We had the greatest economy ever. And the people, let's call them on the left and far left, were calling me. We want to get together. I've never seen anything like it. I said, do you believe this? Everybody was happy. African-American, Asian-American, Hispanic-American. But also, you want to say, how do you get together? We're going to get together through success. When this country, the country was at a level that we've never, we had the best employment numbers in history. Everything was good. And this country was coming together. Then we got hit with COVID. But this country came together. Uh, I don't care about the revenge thing. I know they usually, usually use the word revenge. Will there be revenge? Uh, my revenge will be success. Donald Trump's revenge will be success. There's a, a man talking, talking like you would expect a Jeroboam, uh, Jeroboam type to talk. He's got a war to get it back. That's in the prophecy, 2 Kings 14. But he also, Jeroboam anciently, you look at the prosperous times for Israel under his rule, under his reign. That's uh, Trump, by the way, from his town hall last night in, in South Carolina. I think that primary is maybe this weekend. So it's coming up. And uh, Nikki Haley, she came out yesterday, I think it was. She joked that the press was there to see her make an announcement that she was going to drop out of the race and she instead doubled down and uh, this heartened the people over at morning meltdown listen to clip six nikki haley has come around she's a good candidate she's great on stage and she's saying what needs to be said about donald trump and every day she says a little more and i hope she stays in this race I hope she hangs in there no matter what happens in South Carolina. Republican voters need a viable option, an American candidate, not a, a Russian uh, idiot. That's what they've got in Donald Trump. And I would stay there to the end. Why? Because anything can happen, as we've said. Also, I must say, she's getting better. Yeah. She's not getting worse. She's getting better out there on the campaign. Because she's well. speaking authentically and, and, now. And, and, and not just because she's going after Donald Trump, but that frees her up and gives her credibility to go after Joe Biden, to go after both parties. After Donald Trump loses, whether it's in the primary or, or after he loses in the general election again, at that point, who is the last person standing? Who is the person that warned Republicans? You can do what you want to do, but if you pick that guy, you're going to lose. Nikki Haley's a winner and uh, Donald Trump's a loser. Got it. That's uh, some from the morning 
meltdown. Just wanted to try to squeeze in those, uh, those two clips before uh, transitioning into a study to conclude with. We need these studies to keep ourselves hopeful, to be people of vision, to stay positive and joyous. There's so much sanctuary in the Holy Word of God, in the Bible. Uh, the last few times I've gotten into uh, a study, I've mentioned this comment my father made back in 2003. This was, this was the day after we secured the writings of Herbert Armstrong, the copyrights, so that we could <laughs> send that material to you freely, the most important of which is Mystery of the Ages. But he talked about how that for six years, that's how long the litigation took, how that for six years there were times when he got tired of fighting, but he knew he had to fight on. And he said this, we're all weak, but we can't be weak as a way of life. We're going to have to conquer and we're going to have to overcome the devil by getting on our knees and crying out to God and to Christ for that strength to face whatever comes. He says it's not going to be easy. We are engaged in spiritual war, and as I read to you last week, you can look at Galatians 6, you can look at 2 Thessalonians 3 and see where Paul says that, that we can't be weary in, in well-doing. We can't get tired or want to give up when we're doing well. I was just pointing out to the students in doctrines this morning the importance of the, the most important commission on earth, the commission that God's given to his church, and the fact that we've got to reach out to this world with the true gospel message and declare it as a witness. That's Matthew 24, 14. Declare it as a warning in love. And, and doing so, knowing that most people are not going to respond to it. There's going to be a bigger response, in fact, uh, coming at the end of the Great Tribulation. When a great multitude comes out and is protected, spared, from the day of the Lord, because they finally come around to responding to this message of hope. But most people in this age, and we're right here at the, the very last days before the return of Christ to this earth, that of course preceded by the three and a half year tribulation, but most people, don't, in fact, most of God's people have fallen away from this, this truth, this commission, this work that God's given to his church. But we can't fall away. We can't give up fighting. We can't grow weary in well-doing. We've got to stay the course. We've got to endure to the end. That's in Matthew 24 as well. Notice Matthew 6. This is verse 34. It says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. There's enough to worry about today, in other words, for us to not get overly anxious or stressed out about what might happen tomorrow. Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't plan ahead. Of course we should. But we've got to approach our Christian walk with 
a day-by-day mentality. Fight today. And then get some rest tonight and then come back strong tomorrow. <laughs> Verse, let's just back up. Verse 22, it says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. That word translated single here in, in verse 22, it's the same Greek word that is translated uh, simplicity over in 2 Corinthians 11, where it talks about the simplicity of Christ. Uh, like I say, this is, this is where you get your, your sound-mindedness, your love and your joy by just immersing yourself into the Word of God. Verse 23, it says, But if your eye be evil... The whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is the darkness. So God says, have a single-minded focus. We've got a booklet that goes by the title, Single-Minded for God. It's aimed more at our singles in the church, of which there are many. (laughs) There's quite a few that aren't yet married. A lot of valuable, wise instruction there. How to approach your support for this great commission God's given to the church, whether you're single or married or what. We're all called upon to do a work. We tell the students often, most of them being single, we tell the students that you were brought to this educational institution, Armstrong College, to help support the work. What is the mission of the church? Well, it's a twofold commission to, to reach the world with a warning message, a witness, and then also to feed the flock. And we've got so many materials that serve that purpose. We've got all these educational institutions. We've got a magazine that's primarily aimed at a worldly audience or a, an audience in the world. And then we've got one that's more for uh, church members and coworkers, where there's deeper spiritual content. The flock is being fed and nourished and strengthened. It talks about that in Ephesians 4. I mean, we need. <laughs> but the thing is, those two, they go together, hand in glove. The, two, the twofold commission I'm talking about. If you come into the church of God and you immerse your heart into the work, as Mr. Armstrong used to so often talk about, then you're automatically you're going to be growing in character. You're going to be growing in, in, in righteous living. You'll be fed spiritually. Verse 24, it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and materialism. Now, we have to function in this material world, and a father does need to be a provider. But it's so easy, isn't it, to just get caught up into the physical, the physical day-to-day activities. And to forget about that spiritual foundation, which has to underpin everything. Or else we just become rich and increased with goods, physical goods, and end up falling away from the truth. Verse 25, it says in the Amplified, Therefore I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, or worried about your physical life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, and about your body, what you shall put on. It says, is, is not life greater in quality than food and the body far above and more excellent than clothing have a right spiritual orientation you can see the context then leading up to the memory verse verse 33 
which says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these physical things will, will be added unto you. God will actually be involved in those things. He wants for us to, to lead abundant lives. John 10 and verse 10. But we make the mistake of putting the physical first at the expense of the spiritual. And then everything begins to come off the rails, doesn't it? Verse 26, it says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? You can learn so much just by considering God's creation, like Romans 1 says. God provides for the little sparrow. Won't he do it for us? Verse 28 says, And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. He goes on and says how that that's more glorious, those little lilies, than even Solomon's great temple. God's creation. Verse 30 says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? God wants us to really, to really build faith, Christ's own faith into our lives. It says over in Luke 18 that when Christ returns, will he even find faith? That's how valuable this is. Most people don't have it. Christ was looking ahead to our time today and, and wondering if there'd be even any faith left. Then verse 33, we've got to squeeze this in. It says, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Beautiful verse, beautiful instruction coming from Jesus Christ. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. That's all we have time for. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you again tomorrow. <laughs>